My name is Brother Frank Natoli from uh, Detroit Branch Point Mission. And it's an honor to stand before you all this evening and before the Lord. And uh, you know, I also have a, a Christmas story to share with you. It didn't have a bell on it like Brother Doug's. And uh, it didn't have the, uh, the high handlebars of the banana seat. I had one of those bikes. But uh, I was maybe a little younger than Brother Doug. Well, this is the other side of that coin. I was a little younger than Brother Doug. Maybe I was about five or six years old. And uh, I, I don't know if there was anything really particular that I wanted that Christmas. But uh, when I woke up that Christmas morning and I went into the living room, I, I saw something there that, that uh, I only remember now because I have a photograph of it. See, I, I walked up to this gift that was, uh, looked like a little army jeep. Now today our kids have these motorized ones, you know, and they're battery packed and you can see them moving around neighborhoods, but uh, this was a, a metal jeep that you had to sit in and you had to kind of pedal. It wasn't anywhere near as cool as what Brother Doug was talking about. And uh, I began to cry. I wouldn't even sit in this Christmas gift. Now, my parents are probably scarred because of this. <laughs> and all I have in remembrance is a photograph of this little army jeep with a, with a star on the side. It was a khaki green color. Because I was so rejecting of it that my parents took it back. I wouldn't even touch it. I didn't run out the door and run up and down the streets with that ring, ring sound at all. No bell was on this army jeep. I couldn't tell you what else I got for that Christmas. So that's not an intention to tell you of a sad Christmas story. That wasn't my intent. But see, this was the other side of that coin. This was a, a Christmas present of rejection. And I really wasn't rejecting that. I mean, in reality, I was rejecting this little, this army jeep that would be a little gift that was given to me. But, you know, in hindsight, I think about my parents. Because they must have fought that this was like a stingray bite. They must have thought that this is what little Frankie would love to have. <laughs> you know, the problem with that was they never asked me what I wanted. They wanted to surprise me. And I rejected that. And all I have today is a little book. Actually, my parents have the photograph. We don't even want the <laughs> They have the photograph. It's one of those old ones with the white frame around it. Back in the 60s, so some of you may recall what those looked like. It stands as a testimony to something that I rejected as a young child. And to be very honest, I don't even remember most of the events around that Christmas. Other than not liking and crying over the little army chief. They thought that I would love it. You know what? Next Christmas came around. My parents had to make a choice. Were they going to play some gifts? Or were they not going to give me the gifts? Were they going to be right-handed or left-handed? Were they going to take a chance and see if I'd reject the next year's gifts or not? Well, guess what? 
12 months went by, and Christmas morning when I got up, there were gifts waiting for me. And this year, I didn't reject them. They could have said, you know what? I'm not going to give him any more gifts. He rejected it. We thought we picked out the very best. The pearl of great price, we offered to him and he rejected it. Could have done that. They could have said, forget it. We gave him gifts last year. He ran away crying. We had to return it. They didn't do that. They continued year after year to this day. They continued to give me a Christmas gift. We have to be the same way in many respects. I want to read just a verse of scripture or two. Brother said, take five minutes. I'm probably going to be sitting down by now. There's a verse of scripture, passage of scripture that uh, I had on my mind Sunday. And um, it's about a man, his name was Alma. It's found in the eighth chapter of Alma. And he was in a similar situation as my parents. See, he had a desire to go and to preach the word of God to a group of people. And so he went into that city and he began to preach and they rejected him. Now, they didn't cry and he didn't cry. But it says that they reviled him, they spit upon him, they cursed him, they basically booted him out of the city and said, don't come back, we don't want you here. Rejected him. Rejected all that he had to offer. And uh, in the 14th verse of the 8th chapter of the book of Alma, it says, it came to pass that while he was journeying thither, he was walking away from the city, being weighed down in sorrow, wading through much tribulation and anguish of soul because of the wickedness of the people uh, who were in the city of Ammoniah. It came to pass that while Alma was thus weighed down with sorrow, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Blessed art thou, Alma, therefore lift up your head and rejoice, for thou hast great cause to rejoice. Now let me just stop there for a minute. Put yourself in Alma's shoes. He had just been reviled, spit on, kicked about, cursed, and thrown out of the city, walking along the path, being weighed down, wading through much tribulation, and we, we share with one another sometimes the trials, the tribulations, the things that weigh us down, that burden us, the sorrow, the things that, that can easily bring us down and leave us there. And that's where Alma was. An angel of God appears and said, Rejoice, Alma! Lift up your head! Now, like maybe, maybe like us, we might ask the question, why would I be rejoicing when I'm waiting through my sorrow and tribulation? When I've just been reviled, spit upon, cursed, kicked out, and and uh, rejected. Well, how can I rejoice in that? It says, For thou hast great cause to rejoice. Thou hast been faithful in keeping the commandments of God from the time which thou didst receive the first message. Behold, I am he who delivered it to you. He said, I'm the same angel who appeared to you and brought you the message of Jesus Christ. You are blessed, and I want you to rejoice today because you kept the commandments of God. 
Yes, you've been weighed down in sorrow. Yes, there have been a lot of trials and tribulations in your life. Yes, you've been rejected and spit upon. You've been reviled. But rejoice. Rejoice. Because you have kept the commandments of God. You have lifted up the name of Christ. And he continues on. The angel tells him to go back into the city. Go back. Go back and face those who rejected you. And in the 18th verse it says, Now it came to pass that after Elm had received this message from the angel of the Lord, he returned speedily unto the land of Ammoni. Speedily. Not a word we use a lot often. But that's what Brother Buck was doing on his bike. He was going up and down Francis Street. Francis Street. Ring, ring with the bell speedily to tell others of what Christ had done for him. Not about the bike, but about what Christ has done for you and I. That's the mode in which we need to be. And whether it's in, in the little speedy stingray, or whether it's whatever God has given you and I, we need to be about speedily obeying the Lord's commandments and bringing what we share and what we enjoy and what we've been blessed with to others. That's a way in which Alma was lifted out of his troubles. That's how he got out of his trials. That's how he was able to rejoice. Because he knew the standard that he was keeping. It was the standard of Jesus Christ. And that's where you and I are today. We have to make a choice. Do I want to zip out that front door of my new stingray, ringing my little bell, maybe looking for some left-handed people? And not caring whether they reject my stingray or not. Whether they reject the message that I have to bring or not. Now that's not an easy thing to do. It is not an easy thing. It's easy to say it. Easy to preach it. Easy to teach it. It's a different story. And the words that I say to you fall back to me as well this evening. Because it's not all that simple. And, and you know, I know that because I've been there. Let me tell you that from personal experience, it's easier for me, and I've said this before, those who've heard it, pardon me, it's easier for me personally to travel 10,000 miles to a foreign country where no one knows me, and my skin color is completely different than theirs, and my language is opposite theirs, and my culture is opposite from them, to tell them about Christ than it is my own next-door neighbor. And you know I have to repent before the Lord when I say that, because that hurts me. It burns me when I say that. But it's easier to be in a foreign country preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that's been given to you and I than it is to go to Bob, my next door neighbor. That really is his name, Bob. <laughs> Bob sees me come and go every Sunday Eve morning. He sees me come home every Sunday afternoon in my suit and tie. You know, this hot lap two weeks ago, pulled up in the car, suit and tie on, I'm pulling it off, and it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and, you know, he's got to be shaking his head thinking, suit and tie, Sunday afternoon, gone all day. And he's sitting there in his tank top, in his shorts, enjoying the nice Sunday afternoon. It's easier for me to speedily go 10,000 miles away to a foreign land yeah, that's, that's the struggle that I, that I have to wrestle with. See, I have to overcome that. I have to find ways in my life 
to tell Bob next door about Christ and about the joy that I feel in my life because of what the Restored Gospels brought me. Because one day, when I was in ninth grade, a young man looked at me, he looked at Brother Bob Batson, and he looked at another young man, and we, we spent some time together that year in ninth grade, and he said, would you come over to my house? Sure. Because we talked to one another. We seemed to get along. Now, he had just been baptized. Ninth grade. What grade are you going? Eighth grade. Okay. Much like our new sister Bethany moved to these sisters. Just about her age. He had his little bell on his bike. His brother happened to be Brother Brian Martyrand. He had a bell on his bike. And he wanted to ring it. And so he took a little chance. He invited three friends of his over his home. Sister Lena Martyrand and Brother Russ Martyrand back in the corner. Sister Lena, would you stand, please? Brother Rastar, you have to sit for this. Alright? Once you see Sister Lena. Now, Sister Lena prepared a gourmet dinner for us that afternoon. She had a tray which she brought up to Brother Brian's bedroom where we were sitting talking. It had it had hostess hopos on it. Okay? In little tinfoil wrappings, I mean individually wrapped portions. Okay? There were there were containers, little little glass uh, sherbet dishes of, of peaches. See now I remember this like it was yesterday because I was so impressed by the hospitality of Sister Lena. See, she brought up this little tray because she was no doubt downstairs praying for her son as he was giving his testimony to three boys that he went to school with. I could only imagine what she'd be doing, because that's what I'd be doing when my children were to invite their friends over to tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I could only imagine what Brother Russ and Sister Lena were doing on the first floor of that house. But she came upstairs with this tray and had hostess ho-hos, and it had the peaches, and it had pop, and it had all kinds of goodies on it. I'm sure there was something homemade in there, but I like those ovens. <laughs> she brought those up, and I remember very quietly. If you know Sister Lena, very quietly. I don't think she said anything. She came up, set the little tray down, walked away. And here's Brother Brian. He gave us a book of worship. I want you to have a book of worship. I want to tell you about my church. <clears throat> He's ninth grade. Ninth grade. But he had a bell that he could ring. And he told me about his church. I was of another faith, and he knew that. He didn't offend me. He didn't tear my church down that I attended. He simply said, I want to share with you about my church and about what I what I go to. Because I remember calling Brian on a Sunday afternoon. He wasn't home. Where could he be Sunday afternoon? Because I remember going to church for an hour. Brian, where could he be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon? Where could he be at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Finally, I would answer the phone and it'd be 5 o'clock in the evening. Where have you been? Oh, I was at church. Oh, I went to a church camp out. I had no clue what that meant. I went to a church conference. I had no clue what that meant. I want to have you come over to my house. I want to tell you about my church. And so we spent a few hours. And I remember he told me things that I didn't understand. I was confused. It was nothing like I had heard before. And I remember at the end of the evening, you know, I had respect for Brother Brian. And I said, 
in my own heart, I said, you know, if this is how you feel, God bless you. It's not for me. I guess I was pretty good at rejecting things that started out that little Christmas gift. I didn't want to offend him because I respected him. He was a good young man. And I, and I understood that, that this is what he believed in. And I didn't matter. And I wasn't going to reject him as a friend because he believed in something different than me. I liked him before I knew it. I was going to like him after. And as was true with the other two young men with us that afternoon, that evening. Ninth grade, he planted the seed. His bell was ringing loud. But you know what? I heard it that night. Didn't give it a thought till I was 19 years old. Years passed. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. When I was 19 years old, Brian was still Brian. He was still going to church. Once in a while, he invited me now. Thanks, not interest. That's nice. You can go to your conference. Whatever. It wasn't interesting. I was content with where I was. I got another invitation. Now we were going to college. He went out to dinner one night. And I remember like it was yesterday at dinner with Brother Bob. He was just Bob to me. With Ruth, just Ruth to me. With my wife, Kathy. And we sat there. This was one of those restaurants that, you know, where you eat the peanuts and you throw them on the floor. I don't, they don't do that too much. It's not really too healthy. But one of those restaurants. And we got to talking about Ruth and Bob's church. And he began to tell us about miracles of God. They were ringing their bell again. See, they saw a window. Now I can only imagine how they were feeling. I have to imagine tonight their hearts were pounding as they were saying, Oh, well, you know, so-and-so had a tumor. And uh, they went to the hospital, and the x-ray showed the tumor. And this, this x-ray didn't, because in between, they were anointed. And I said, what do you mean anointed? What does that mean? And they said, well, in our church, we have blessed oil. And the ministry anoint with that oil. Because we believe that God can heal. Really? See, I thought that when people cried, that was just that was all just show. That was just on television. That healing was fake stuff. I didn't think that was real. And they told us more about the church. Enough so that my curiosity was piqued. My, uh, my girlfriend's curiosity was piqued. And so the next day we went to church with Bob and Ruth. And somehow they strategically placed us in the very front row of the church building. We sat there, and we enjoyed, and for the first time in my life, I felt the Spirit of God. We talked in our seminars today about the power of the Holy Ghost. I had never, ever felt the power of God in my entire life. I had never felt God's Spirit work upon me in my entire life than that Here's a 19-year-old man. The seed was planted. The bell was ringing. The bell rang that night before. And the saints of God that afternoon, that, that day in church, they were ringing their bells left and right. Oh, they were standing up in their testimonies. They were praising God. They weren't doing it for me. They were doing it to praise the name of Jesus Christ. And I was a beneficiary. I felt the blessings of God that day. I heard the bells ring that day. 
wasn't on the stinger anymore. Now it was the bells of heaven. You know, three months later, my wife and I, we weren't married at the time, we repented of our sins. And we were baptized. Three months. Did I have an understanding of everything in the gospel? No. Did I know everything in the Word of God? No. Did I have every ordinance down and everything perfect that by script? No. Was I even close to being perfect? No, I, I, I did, however. From that day, I decided no more swearing, and I stopped swearing that day I came to church. But that was the only thing that I could say I really gave up. See, I still wasn't perfect. But I couldn't wait any longer because I felt the prompting of God's Spirit. And I desired what everyone else had. They all had a bell, and I did, and I wanted that bell. See, I want to be able to ring my own bell as well. I wanted to have a covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted to be with Him. A lot of people in my life saw me as a left-handed man. Born of another faith. Probably would reject it. In fact, did early on. Could have just gave up on me. But you know, Brother Brian Warren had a dream that not shortly after we met in his, uh, in his bedroom talking. He said, in the dream, he said, Frank, I saw you standing in front of a congregation. Ninth grade, as a dream, says, I saw you after I told you about the church, about the Lord, and I saw you standing in front of the congregation, and I saw you asking for your baptism. I was 13, 14, 15, 19 years went by. That dream was fulfilled. Because in October of 1980, I stood in the Lorain, Ohio branch after having asked for prayer, came up front, sat down, and I remember sitting in that chair, the brothers prayed for me, and I said, Lord, I'm not going to get up until I know for sure you want me to be baptized. And under the power of God, the, the word of the Lord came for me. I don't know what was said, but I felt the conviction of God's Spirit. The Lord didn't say, Frank, I want you now. I felt God's Spirit, and I was content. And I stood up, and I faced the congregation, just like Brother Brian saw in his dream years before. And I said, I want to be baptized. Brother Brian was in the back of the room that day. And I remember meeting him about halfway, and we embraced. And I remember saying, thank you, Brian. Thank you for telling me of the joy. Thank you for inviting me to your bedroom one day to tell me about your church. Thank you for telling me about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what he said to me? He said, don't thank me. He said, thank God. He's the one that we thank tonight, and he's the one that we praise. May God bless you. You can connect with the GMBA on YouTube, all major podcast platforms, and Instagram. There are links in the description. Make sure to like and subscribe, leave a comment, and share this with someone you know. Thank you.